weekend, we'll be doing a brief series on communication. My text is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29. Don't worry about taking notes or anything like that. It's supposed to be, I'm trying to be as, as clear and as simple as I possibly can be, just one verse, and really ultimately just one, one point, ultimately. Let me, I don't, see, I don't even know if I have it memorized, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only what is a good gratification in order that you might give grace to those who hear now, that's my, my translation. That's my version, Tom's version. Let me pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for this weekend that we can have some time where we can get away, Lord, and enjoy your creation, enjoy your nature. We pray there won't be many more loud helicopters. We pray that your Spirit would speak to us through your powerful Word and help us, Lord, to grow in our ability to communicate in a way that is Christ-centered and Christ-exalting and godly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is there some tea for me? It was part of a no, that's fine. Just some water. It was part, actually, of an illustration I was going to use, but I thought there was some tea that Ellie or somebody had for me. Have you ever... It doesn't work really with water. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Have you ever had... Usually, at least with me, it's caffeine, to where you drink a beverage or something and you swallow it. And oftentimes, not oftentimes, but at times, what can happen? Like, it's going to be my wife's birthday, so let's say I, I drunk something. You, you, you drink something, and then from down in here, sometimes you can have what happened, Thomas? It happened to Thomas this morning, I think. He drank something, and then all of a sudden, what happens down in here at times? Heartburn or burp. But have you ever had that hot stuff come up, comes up your mouth, like... Yeah, and then, so, as soon as that happens, maybe you can do this yourself when you get married. As soon as that comes up right here, then grab your wife and just say, I'm going to kiss you right now. And that probably wouldn't go very well. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, actually, this verse, when it talks about unwholesome words, that's the word it is. That's the word. Unwholesome means putrid. And so we would never think, I would never think of as soon as that hot stuff comes up that I'm going to run over to even a friend and, you know, give them a really big hug because they would, that'd be smelly and that would be gross and it wouldn't make sense. It'd be irresponsible, it wouldn't be kind and, and it wouldn't be loving. But when you look at this passage, that's exactly what this word means in Ephesians 4.29 when it says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, unwholesome can sound like it's just a type of a four-letter word, but it's much more than that. It's less than that, but also much more than that. It's this idea of 
putrid. But I want to step back before we get into the verse and mention the context of Ephesians. Let me ask this question. The book of Ephesians primarily is, at least from what I, I taught maybe a few years ago, is primarily about what? Ultimately. It even ends at chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, brethren, when Ephesians ends, it talks about what? It talks about spiritual warfare, right? And a lot of, I would say primarily, the book of Ephesians is about spiritual warfare. But when it talks about spiritual warfare, it's not... Uh, for example, you might say, you know, Tom has me. I have a bad, uh, bad problem with, you know, maybe I'm uh, too loud of a person and I'm always boasting in how great a basketball player I am. And so I have a demon of basketball playing inside of me. So you guys get together and you're going to walk around me seven times and then lay hands on me and cast out the demon of being a good basketball player that, that boasts. We can think that that might be a type of spiritual warfare. You know, like maybe you wouldn't go to that extent. Uh, I did in my past. If you remember, I've shared this with some of you that I would walk around people seven times and then lay hands on them and pray them to try to get certain demons out of them. Because that's what, who did? Joshua did, right? In Joshua chapter 7. If we're not careful, we can think that that is a, a type of spiritual warfare when really spiritual warfare might be that I just shut my mouth. Spiritual warfare is how we talk. At least it involves to a large degree what we say, what we don't say, how we say it, and even why we say it. So I can think I'm a, an expert on spiritual warfare for whatever reason. You know, I've been lived in India, saw parades of all kinds of false gods, and behind every you know small g god, behind every idol, there is a demon or demons, and so that is spiritual warfare. Well, spiritual warfare could be, and it is. I wake up in the morning and I'm tired, so I'm cranky toward my wife. That's spiritual warfare, and I can lose that battle. Because I was rude to my wife. I, I even I was rude to, and cranky toward my kids. And so that's really what this verse here at least is primarily talking about. That is, if we want to have spiritual victory in our life, that involves, to a huge extent, what we say, what we don't say, and how we say it, and why are we going to say it. But let me try to summarize it with... Just one sentence, and if we can get this one sentence down in our hearts, then I think that that can help us. So here's a sentence. Replace your garbage words with words of grace to win the spiritual battle. Replace your garbage words with words of grace to win the spiritual battle. If you want to win in spiritual warfare, then take out your garbage words and replace them with words of grace. Sometimes in India, the way that our brothers and sisters in India would talk is they would say, take it from your mind and toss it away. Take it out of your head and toss it to the ground. And it's a, it's a good picture of what we need to do with 
not just bad words, but unwholesome words are putrid words that are in our heart. We need to take them from our heart, from our head, from our mouth, and get rid of them. Take out the garbage words and replace them with words of grace. So how do we do this then? And so uh, this afternoon and then later around dinner time, we'll talk about this. And I'll give two points on how to do this now and two more points afterwards. But here's the first one. Again, replacing your garbage words with words of grace. And the New Testament, the Bible, is always how do you change uh, thought patterns or behavior? You take things off and then you put things on. Right, even Ephesians and Colossians and other places in the Bible talks about this, First Thessalonians. But number one, talk to yourself. Uh, talk yourself into it. If you want to improve in what you say, what you don't say, how to say it, why you say it, if you want to have more of a Christ-driven mouth, if you want to replace your garbage words with words of grace, then you have to talk yourself into it. I can remember the very first camp at Pilgrim Bible Church that I did. Uh, may have scared people or freaked people out, but I said, kick the devil in the face. You know, and being from Grace Community Church and Grace Church Missionary, you, pr- you probably wouldn't say it that way. And I think I kicked my foot like that, kick the devil in the face, boom, you know, something like that. And... The, the book of Ephesians is talking about this type of warfare, not in terms physically, but in terms of intensity and intensely fighting. And that's why even Ephesians 6, it talks about fighting Satan and sin and the world. It talks about this personal struggle that we have. Chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers against the world forces of darkness and wickedness in the heavenly places. And this word struggle is this hand-to-hand personal combat, very intense. So how do, how do we win this against Satan, sin, and the evil society that we live in? Well, we have to talk ourselves into it. That is, we have to talk ourselves into that we can change. If you look at Ephesians 4.29... It says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Stop talking this way. And it's just in black and white. You know, it's, you, you can buy probably, I'm sure, 10 different books on how to help you talk more Christ-like. I'm sure that you could pay $325 and go to a, a three-day seminar and Wear a band on, on your wrist and sing some, some great songs. Maybe get a free hat, you know. Maybe even an, like a, a bag, like a, a little baggie. Maybe a purse if you're a lady. Maybe even an app. You can get an app on your phone. You know, there are many different ways that even the, the church world can teach us how we can implement things. But what is instructive, I think, for us is here, it just says, don't talk that way. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. And so this morning, not this morning, afternoon now, I want you to talk to yourself. And here's what you say. uh, Today and the rest of your life is 
you say regarding any spiritual duty that you have. I want you to say, I can do it because of Jesus. You don't say, I can't do it. You say, I can do it because of Jesus. Whatever godly duty that I have, whatever God's word tells me to do in his word, our response needs to be, must be, should be, I can do it because of Jesus. As soon as we begin to say, I, I, I can't do that, then you're short-circuiting the power of the Spirit of God and, re- and regeneration that you have in Christ. The truth is, in the context of Ephesians 4.29, that if, you've, if you're saved, if you've repented and trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation, then you have more than all the power in the universe, not all the power in the universe, more than all the power in the universe to say, no, I'm not going to talk that way anymore. There's no excuse, there's no valid excuse I can give because of now who I am in Christ. And we see this throughout the whole book of Ephesians. And I just want to remind you of what it says in chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. I can say when I'm struggling with certain speech habits and patterns, and we'll talk about those either later on in this message or the next message, but again, with any sin, I can get to a place where I can be overwhelmed and think, I I can't change. I, I can't plug in or do whatever I need to do to become more like Jesus. But that's a lie. From the devil, we can. Whatever sin habit you have, if you're in Christ, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit that you have in in regeneration, he can give you the power to break that habit. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. And then look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Being a believer, God has made you a a brand new person. He's made you a master craft of his power and of his Holy Spirit. And even if you were to look at chapter 3, remember Paul prays in chapter 3 that we could be filled the fullness of God, that we can understand the height and width and depth of the love of Christ and God. And then look at chapter 3, verse 16, that you would be strengthened according to the riches of his glory with power through his spirit and the inner man. This is really quite incredible. Even, right, you, you know of Philippians 4.13, who, who can quote to me Philippians 4.13? Who can quote that verse to me? Yeah, I can. And sometimes I think as a Christian, at least my tendency is not to say those two words, I can. Because I, I don't want to be overconfident. I don't want to be self-centered. I don't want to be prideful. And so if I'm that careful, I can almost talk myself out of thinking that I have what it takes to say no. Now, if I'm thinking to myself, I can do it just myself. Well, yeah, that's bad. 
But I can do it through the strength of Christ. I can do all things because of Jesus. Whatever I need to do, God will give me the resources to do whatever he wants me to do. Right? That's even what 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you might have a sufficiency for every good deed. Whatever you need to do, whatever I need to do, God will give us the grace to do it. And so I can say, I can overcome this. Yes, because of Christ. Yes, because of God. Yes, because of the the Spirit of God working in me. I'm in Christ. I'm a new person. I'm a new creature. There are powerful habits of sin in our life that all of us have, even now, that all of us need to break in some way. And we all to make we all need to make some type of of progress. But even with how we talk, I, I was trying to be one hundred percent perfect in my speech from six a.m. until now. How did I do, Lisa? How did I do? Did, did I was I one hundred percent perfect? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're very kind. I was not. I was not. To be honest, I I told Lisa, I'm going to ask Brett to preach. Brett should preach. Let him preach. I can't preach. Because I wasn't perfect with my communication. And so that's why we have a Savior. That's why we have Christ. Because we, we go to him. But we don't give up. But the way this verse says, I want us to understand what the, the word is saying here when it says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. It's not just all of a sudden appearing. It's in this context that you have that resurrection power of Christ that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You too were dead. Now he's made you spiritual alive. You have all that living power of Christ, of God inside of you. And whatever God wants you to do and tells you to do, you can do it. Whatever sin it is. And especially for, for marriages, for families, for church, uh, from parents to children, from ch- from children to parents, we all need to keep learning on how to talk and how to be more Christ-centered in our communication. Do you know how many wars start? Lies. Lies. The, uh, divorce, broken friendships. Most of these, they start by lies, by slander, by bitterness, and it's all expressed through this putrid acid <laughs> reflex of verbal words, spiritual acid reflex that comes out, and it's just, ah. and that's not even, again, it's not even just those bad curse words that we think of, but it's all these adnotutal, stinging, hurting, biting words of criticism that are unnecessary, that can cause huge problems. So we don't talk ourselves out of the battle. We talk ourselves up in Christ. There's a, a man, maybe, maybe Caleb and Max know him, uh, Marcus. Marcus, we got his last name. It begins with a, Mark, he's a, um, Krav Maga guy. Do you guys know him, Marcus? Boom, this Krav Maga guy. And I didn't know this, but he came to Christ a, a few years ago. Here's what he said. He's from Canada. It's a little bit cheesy, but I still like it. 
says, my confidence in this battle with Satan isn't growing. My confidence is growing through my dependence on him. So I'll read it again. My confidence in this battle with Satan is not growing. My confidence is growing through my dependence on him. And so he's saying that he doesn't have confidence in his own spiritual strength to get the battle done. But his confidence is God, that, that God can do it through him, is growing because he's becoming more and more dependent upon him. But there is this, ad, this attitude that he talks about having of there can be massive, miraculous change in my life and sin areas by having this understanding that I can do it not with self-confidence, but I can do it with confidence in God and the power of Christ as I depend upon him. One of my verses that maybe you're tired of me quoting uh, Psalm 34, 8. It's because I think about that verse a lot, but also 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and love and a sound or a disciplined mind. And that's Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. And in that shell is saying that in God, in Christ, you have the power, you have the love, and you have a new mindset by which you are enabled by God to say no to using putrid words. And even change your attitude. Remember, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, when we talk and we're using putrid words, mainly it comes from our heart issue, right? Our words don't just all of a sudden appear. They, they will flow out up from the heart is what Jesus says. But in Christ, I have this power to gain control of how I talk. And in the, the way that I grew up, my dad uh, would curse. And before I was saved, I would curse God's name all the time. And even unsaved people at school, unsaved guys, I knew Brian Simpson, who was an unsaved person. And I wasn't saved, but one time he confronted me. An unbeliever confronted me and said, Tom, you go to church, but you're cursing God an awful lot. And he wasn't even saved. I ended up getting saved that year. And then God changed my mouth. And, you know, I I'm, don't practice cursing or that type of language anymore. But I know I have a long ways to go with more of the putrid acid reflex words that can come up at times. So first, this idea of replacing your your garbage words with words of grace is talk yourself into it, right? I've been saved by grace. I have the grace of God in my life that will give me anything, anything I need to do for him, he promises that he'll give it to me by his grace, including how I talk. So when it says, let no one, let no at all, it's, it's the idea of that not even one unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. For me, that can be overwhelming. I can be like, especially knowing that it's not just a curse word. It's more of this general garbage words. So being careful even of those kind of words. But we can talk ourselves into it. Talk yourself into it. You can do it because of him. Number two. 
Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Okay, good. Now it changed that. Don't let the garbage out. Woof, woof, woof. Don't let the garbage out. Woof, woof, woof. And it means out of where? Your mouth. Would not be great at a football game if everybody stood up and said, Don't let the garbage out of our mouths. I've been at you know, football and baseball universities and uh, pro sports, and they can chant some very interesting things. <laughs> but this verse is saying, Don't let the garbage out. And it's the idea of this garbage-ness that's inside of us. Don't let that come up out of us. Now, I want to stop and consider this for a moment. This is not something that, that's optional. Um, I have the NSA B and it says let, let no unwholesome word. And at times when I'm reading my numeric and standard, which is you know one of the best versions, but every time it uses a third person imperative, it will say let. And sometimes you might misunderstand this. So this is not optional. It's not saying if you want to, you know, try not to use any unwholesome language because it says let. Does anybody else have a, a different rendering or a different translation? What version do you have? New King James. Yeah. Some some versions would say uh, that one or he must or or he should or she should or there should be no unwholesome language that comes out of your mouth. Because if we're not careful, we can see where it says the word let and we can think that that, that means, you know, kind of just be easy with it. But it is imperative. He or she must not let any unwholesome language come up out of the, the, the tummy, out of the heart. None at all. So it's not optional. It's something that God calls us to do. So take the garbage and, and throw it away. But now what kind of language is this? Looking back at Ephesians 4.29, and it says, that person should have no unwholesome. He must get rid of unho- the, the unwholesome word from their mouth. And I've already shared a little bit that we can hear the word unwholesome and we think immoral. Or like I, I, I don't want your minds to think about it too much, but I think of four-letter words. And so what I can do is when this verse says, let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, I've got that down. I've had that, I mean, in the past 30 years, probably count them on my hands in the past 30 years. I've got this down. Cold, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. I've got it down. And then maybe as I say that, I'm, I'm rude or cranky or complaining to my wife. Or I'm harsh with my kids. But I don't curse. I don't use curse words. And so then I think that, wow, God must be so happy with me. He must be like, Tom's one of the best guys on the planet in terms of his mouth. He hasn't cursed in like 30 years. And then the Lord is saying, well, he's, one of, he's very prideful with his mouth. <laughs> so maybe I don't curse, but maybe I've got a lot of pride that's coming out of my mouth. 
And so we have to expand this idea, at least I do, of unwholesome words because I, I you know, I uh, train sometimes with uh, this guy named G. You know, he, he curses all the time. And I can think, wow, he has such a bad mouth. Well, maybe I don't use the type of exact words that he's using, but putrid words, that's the idea of unwholesome. It's garbage words, rotten words. Remember when Jesus talked about, uh, in the Gospels, about different fruit and there could be rotten fruit? That's the idea of this word, rotten fruit. So it's not just what the world says is a curse word, but it's adnultudinal words that don't love God and don't love others, right? That's the two greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if my words are not loving God and not loving others, though I may not curse God, I may not curse his name, and maybe I don't use a curse word toward a person, that doesn't mean that I still have great speech. Because I, I could be cutting, I could be biting, I could be overly critical. For example, just take 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And think of this as a type of speech. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Do I have a patient mouth? Patient communication, kind, jealous, brag, arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own with my lips. Am I always exulting and bragging myself, bragging on myself? Is that easily provoked? Am I quick with my words? Does not take an account of wrong, suffered? Am I, am I always seeking to defend myself? And quick to seek verbal, a type of verbal revenge does not rejoice in unrighteousness. You know, there can be a type with our words, especially I think as Christians, we can say, man, I haven't used a four letter word in decades, but you know, Susie, Jimmy, and then right then I've slandered and gossiped and I've sinned with my words, right? So I can, if I'm not careful, I can critique others because usually unbelievers that I know are just cursing so much, but then at the same time, my lips can freely talk about other people's sin, and I can gossip and slander about them if I'm not careful. But that's also wrong, and that's also putrid communication. And again, this is spiritual warfare. The whole context of the book of Ephesians is Christ has given us, Christ through his life, death, and resurrection has given us, when we trust him by faith, it gives us the victory over Satan. This victory that I have, I, I can manifest that victory. I can work out that victory by learning to control my tongue. By seeking to have not just, well, I've stopped cursing, but to have words that are reflecting love to God and love to others. Further, just to dive down into this a, a little bit more. Uh, for example, 
certainly we would say don't use God's name in vain, right? We, you know, we, we wouldn't curse God's name or say a crude, silly joke about him. Second, we would also stay away from what people consider and cultures consider to be curse words. And what I mean is, we want to be careful, but when I grew up in the South, we might say, dang, dang. Is dang a bad word or, or, or a good word? Dang is probably short for something else. <laughs> I'm not saying that that is a curse word, but what I'm saying is that in India, for example, there are certain words that people say that are definitely curse words here that in the church in India, they say. Pastors, there are godly pastors in India that use certain words that we wouldn't use here. And part of that is it was history and time, like the word gay. Gay was never about being homosexual. It's just about being happy. Okay, But now, if you said that, then... You know, everybody's heads turns and, oh, you know, what, is, what, what does that mean, right? Or even a, a piece of wood had a certain name years and years ago. Now it's, it can be a name of a person that is homosexual, and it can be used a, as a curse word. So what I am saying is when it says, let no unwholesome word come forth out of your mouth, number one, we don't want to curse God. Number two, we want to be careful about what the world would consider curse words, but certainly we don't want to use words that are abusive to people. So we don't want to curse God. We want to be careful that we don't come close to cursing God. We want to be careful that we're not using words that others might think we're, you know, we're cursing God with. But again, I have to be careful because I can say, well, I don't do any of those things but I can still abuse somebody with my words. I can abuse my kids and my wife and my friends by being overbearing, harsh, malicious, vengeful. And that goes across cultural boundaries. Again, you know, like there's over time words change and different cultures, words can have different connotations. But there is a an abuse of heart and attitude that we need to clearly stand away from. And that is where I'm stepping on people uh, verbally, seeking to really just be mean to them. And I've been convicted because if I'm not careful, I can uh, mock people. You know, like in a joke, at times, and I think maybe especially men can do this, we can, if we're not careful, freely joke with one another so much that rarely am I the, the, the point of the joke, but somebody else is the point of the joke. And I've heard that not, not just here, but in many different churches where you know, the, the body of Christ won't curse but joke a lot, and it's usually with putting somebody else down. And it could often happen happen during sports events, <laughs> where somebody is put down or, or joked about and made to feel ashamed. And so again, we 
be, I have to be careful that I don't pat myself on the back and say, well, you know, I'm not using all these curse words. Even I need to be, if I'm in a different culture, culturally uh, appropriate, I, ha- I have to be careful w- with that. And so I can get all those things right. But if I'm not careful with how I talk to my wife and my family, if I'm exalting myself and when I talk, belittling others, well, that's also sin. That's also rotten words. Now, for example, how about sarcasm? Sarcasm wrong? Did Jesus use sarcasm? He did. (laughs) The Bible does use sarcasm. God uses sarcasm. But there's a difference between using sarcasm and being sarcastic, right? So if there's, if we by habit are sarcastic people all the time, then that's probably reflecting a heart issue. But Jesus and Paul in the Bible, they were sarcastic primarily with false teachers to wake them up so they could see and understand the truth. So that's a difference, okay? But being a sarcastic person, if I'm not careful, then that could be an unbelieving, uh, grumbling heart attitude that's surfacing through my, my, my speech, through my lips. So again, what I'm saying that this verse says is I can think it, I, I can think, I've nailed it, I've got, I've got it together. When it, when it says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Haven't said any curse words in like decades. Okay, very few. <laughs> Shouldn't say any. Very few curse words in decades. Well, this is not about simply curse words. It's more than that. And I'm sure this morning I was harsh, or complaining, you know, trying to get here at a certain time. It's not not wrong to want to get here at a certain time, but I need to do it with the right words. And attitude. And that's spiritual warfare. So I hope that this is clear of what this is talking about. This corrupt words is not just cursing words, but it's garbage words. It's cutting words, biting words, uh, vengeful words. These are words that don't please Christ. And so then we want to have this almost a mantra in our in our minds that I think can help. And it's not, who let the dogs out? It's what? Do you remember? What is that? Don't let the garbage out. Yeah. Don't let the garbage out. So we don't let those garbage words come forth. And again, it's not just a curse word. It's words that are like, ah, oh, that acid, that, that, that bitter taste that I had, that hot stuff that comes up. This word here, when it says unwholesome, that's what it's talking about, rotten and putrid. And so we, we come to Christ, we say, Lord, forgive me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that you've given me, Lord, your Holy Spirit. Now, by your grace, I pray that you would to the power of your Holy Spirit, that as I focus on Christ, I could gain control and that my language ultimately would 
not be about myself because the problem with un- unwholesome words, cutting, biting words, garbage words, is that ultimately they reflect two things. I'm not loving God and I'm not loving others. And so as we repent of that and get right with Christ, we seek to love God and love others with our words. And we'll talk about that next time. Again, if you want to have spiritual warfare, I mean, I'm sorry, if you want to have victory in spiritual warfare, get control of your speech. How do you do that? You talk yourself into it. You can do it. I can do all things through Christ. I have the power of the Spirit of God. I'm regenerated. I'm in Christ. If you don't know Christ, then get saved. Repent and trust Jesus. Ask him to save you. And then, don't let the garbage out. And the Spirit of God will give you the power to gain control over your speech. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how clear it is. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Lord, I pray that I could grow in not just confidence in how I've changed with with cursing, even taking your name in vain, Lord, how horrible that was all those decades ago. But even now, if I'm grumbling or using harsh words and language, Lord, even that is wrong. And so help me and help all of us to have words that reflect loving God and loving others. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I'll keep it on. Is it okay to say, like, oh, my gosh, or oh, my goodness, or... That's a good, good question. Well, see, I, I, my personal opinion is I have no problem with somebody saying, oh, my gosh, but I do have a problem with somebody saying, oh, my God. So I looked up on the dictionary, what, what does it mean, gosh? And it's a euphemism for God. So I wouldn't be legalistic like with you if you said, oh, my gosh. I wouldn't be like, watch your mouth. But... But we try to help our kids to be careful with saying, oh, my gosh. Um, With, oh, my God, we tell them, yeah, don't say that. That, that, That's not the best. Maybe if you're in prayer, oh, my God. But, you know, saying that as a response is treating God not in the best way. Well, I, I think I say, oh, my word. I think I'm like part of that can be like I'm not saying it's right, but I think in the South, at least how I grew up, as you would say, um, "geez," or I would say, "Oh my word!" So I would say that's better than saying something else, which is really bad. But there could be also, I think, improvement. So when I say, "Oh my word," I don't think I'm not saying I'm 100 percent innocent. I don't think in my heart I'm cursing or I'm taking God's name in vain or I'm trying to say anything about Jesus being the word. But it may have come from that perspective years ago. And so it is something to think about. And is there a different way to say it? Or I've been thinking about, am I complaining when I say that? We don't want to be too introspective. We, we want to love God and love others. So if, if I see something surprising, 
um, there are times now where I can say, dude, or wow, you know, and I'm saying, so sometimes there can be an expression, oh my word, which, and there's nothing in the heart where a person's trying to curse God. It may be just something that they've learned, or maybe not, or can there be something better that we can say? And the main thing, I think, from this passage is how can we not say putrid words and then to even do better, which we'll see next week, words of grace. These other areas like, gosh, and uh, oh my word, I think we study the word, we pray about it, we form our convictions and keep trying to do better. You know, I, I think my my language skills in terms of speaking, in terms of not cursing, <laughs> like I shared, that they've grown considerably since I was an unbeliever. But there are always are, are areas where I can improve in. And there are some cultural things that kind of just stay around that maybe we can improve on. Those are good questions. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Did you give thanks for it? Or did you grumble about it? No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't let the garbage out. Don't let the garbage out. <laughs> so I hope you guys won't forget that. Don't let the garbage out. Okay. Good questions. Are, are there any other questions about that? That word, let no unwholesome word, I think is a good word. It's more of this featured gross kind of stuff. No, you know, I'll tell. I'll talk to you privately because I don't want to say too much. But there was a neighbor, and there was a housewarming party. Well, I'll talk to you afterwards okay. about it. But something very similar happened. Sometimes we can use an innocent word, and somebody else might take that in a sinful way, when the word itself and how we meant it wasn't at all sinful. And then I had to. <laughs> Whoa! What's going on? <laughs> That's not at all what I meant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there are some, yeah, not to make things more, more complicated, but first it's an attitude in the heart. And throughout time, words do change meaning. And so there's, it's not necessarily about a formation of symbols that are put together that it's necessarily evil, but it's, 
that word and how it's used and why is it used because even the word like gay throughout the time has changed what it means. But however, however people take it today, then we want to be careful about using those terms. Number one, we don't curse God and we want to seek to love others and not use abusive speech and then we should stay away from any words that are known to be curse words. Yeah, Things like, um, oh gosh, and um, golly, and geez, and my word, I think I, I would be flexible, you know, like our family would try to stay away from that. But if somebody said that, I wouldn't be, shame on you for, for saying that. Even with unbelievers, if I'm with an unbeliever and they're cursing, rarely would I say something unless maybe they were damning God over and over and over again and we were isolated, then I might say something. But otherwise, I'm going to focus more on the gospel. Good questions. Yeah, it's things to think about. And for me, again, I my perspective about myself was, hey, I'm pretty good with my speech because I, I don't curse. But I know at times I can use some harsh words. And that's also putrid. <laughs> May the Lord bless you.